You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church Online Experience. My name is Matt Joya. I'm the lead pastor here, and I am so excited that you carved out 25, 30 minutes and change to study the Word of God alongside of us. We are kicking off a brand new series here, and to dive into the content, I'm going to start, I'm going to open with a story. As many of you know, I have six children, yes, ranging from one and a half years old to 14 years old, and everything in between. And we have come upon report card season. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, that may invoke fond memories or post-traumatic stress, depending on how you did in school. Um, But we sat down with each of our children, and we went over their report cards. And one of our children, who I'm going to leave nameless to avoid any kind of therapy in the future, uh, did pretty well in all of their classes, with the exception of history. In history, they got a 76, which I just got to say, I always thought history was like the easiest course, or class rather, because it's simply the memorization of facts, statistics, and dates, and then you're just asked to regurgitate them on a piece of paper. There's no, there's no formula. There's no exception to the rule. It's just you listen, and then you put it back down on a piece of paper. But anyway, I digress. That's my, uh, that, that's my perception of it, but this, individu- this, student, this child was having a difficult time with it. And so they, we just looked at their schedule and we said, hey, you're going sp- to need to spend a little bit more time with the content, reading it, uh, making sure that you turn in all your homework assignments. Well, this brought up another issue. They, said, they approached us and said, hey, well, I really wanted to start working after school. So, um, which is a great thing. If your child comes to you and says, I want to be able to earn an income on my own. I want to be able to do school and work. But the issue was school is your first priority. And so we're not going to give you extra responsibility if you're not taking care of your current responsibility. But my child just wasn't seeming to understand the logic behind it, that I wasn't going to give entrust you with more if you're not taking care of the entrustment that I've already given you. And as I'm trying to break this down for my child to understand, I heard the voice of the Lord say, you know, you're like that very often. You are asking me for new things, for new revelation, for new entrustments, when you haven't quite mastered stewarding what I've entrusted to you. And so today we're going to talk about stewardship, which when the Holy Spirit illuminated that to me, I just got to tell you this like, oh, it's like a dagger. And I didn't take it as this condemnation, shame, like, oh, I'm terrible. I just took it as the opportunity, man, I need to take inventory of my entrustment and make sure that I'm maximizing it and not looking to the left and to the right, coveting what my neighbor has, what my brother has, what my sister has, and wishing I was over there when I'm not taking the time to develop what has been given to me. I know that some of you need probably to hear this message. And so to open this up, I'm going to be reading out of Matthew 25, verse 14 through 28. This is out of the ESV. And so this is quite a bit of text, but it's extremely important 
that we get this story that Jesus is sharing. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Let me just stop right there. Every single one of you have been entrusted with something. Relationships, your destiny and calling, your gifts, so on and so forth. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also he who had received two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug and hid his master's money. Now after a long, long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, here's what you gave me. But I have made five more talents. And his master said to him, listen to this, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. If you were here live, I'd say, say the word faithful. Faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. I will give you more. I added, I will give you more. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had also had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you have delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I, I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming should have received what was mine with interest. So take this talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. Jesus is giving us a sharing a story, an illustration of his definition of stewardship. Now, stewardship, if you go to the Greek, is the Greek word okonomia, which I'm probably butchering, but none of you know Greek, so you wouldn't be all the wiser. But it literally means this, management of a household where one person looks after another's affairs or resources. So that is the biblical definition. Stewardship is managing the kingdom's resources for the father's business. The heart's cry of a good steward is that it will never be mine it will always be yours. We are stewards. We are managing the business of someone else, our king, 
our Lord. Lordship means supreme ownership. We have yielded and committed our lives to Christ. And as a result, he has given to us entrustment. He has given us gifts. And we are stewards of those gifts. See, um, you know, leadership and is very popular in our American culture. And there are like these competing ideas. It's, uh, I remember reading this book from Jocko Willink, and I think it was an amazing book. It's called Extreme Ownership. So there's this idea that when you go into the business world that you need to own you know, what you're entrusted with in your corporation, in your career. And there's a lot of wisdom to be gained by that. And then there's another idea, it's employment. So you, you are employed by an owner, right? But one day you will be in that position of ownership. So you put yourself in the mindset of, okay, how would I want somebody that's working for me to work? Again, great ideas, but biblically, we are neither owners or employed. We are stewards, meaning that it does not belong to us, and we are not striving to get into a position where it belongs to us. And so you see, regardless of where you are at on the corporate ladder, this idea and vantage point of stewardship has validity for your entrustment because you're not climbing a ladder. You're simply trying to multiply and be faithful over your entrustment, which will result in a larger entrustment. And that's what Jesus is sharing through this illustration. But you know what? I found that you we don't hear the word stewardship very often in church, right? You've probably been to a lot of churches um, that talk about sowing and reaping, right? Um, which is all throughout scripture. And I certainly believe um, in sowing and reaping. However, if you find yourself in a place where you have been giving, but you're still caught in the same rut, you're still behind on your bills, you still find yourself in debt and you're giving, it could be that it's not your giving, but it's the way that you're stewarding what God has entrusted to you. See, many treat biblical giving like the lottery system. I share this many times, but I always stop at the gas station. I, 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 I just love the, you know, like to, to meet the different people that are in the in the town, and obviously I need gas too, so that's why I stop at the gas station. But I always see a line of people that are in front of me, and what are they doing? Yeah, they're probably buying gas, but they're also buying scratch tickets, lottery tickets. And many people, they're just like, they're, they're working, and they're taking their hard-earned money, and they're just hoping, I'm just going to keep buying lottery tickets until one day I hit the, the jackpot. And then all this money comes to me. And some people give into the kingdom of God, not from a heart posture of wanting to advance the kingdom, not from a heart posture of recognizing that it's God's anyway, but to give to get. Now, God does reward. And God does say in Malachi to test us in the area of not withholding our tithes and offerings, which are God's in the first place. So I am not here to come against sowing and reaping. 
because I believe in it. I live by that. But what I am telling you is that you've been faithful to give and you're not seeing the favor of God in your life, then it most likely is a result of a stewardship issue. You have not stewarded what God has given you. And you know what's interesting? The people that play the lottery all the time and actually do crack through the one out of how many million people that actually do press through and win the lottery, over 50% of them, I think this figure is 67%, end up back where they started, meaning that 350 million, 500 million, 700 million dollars comes into their hands and 10, 15 years later, they have nothing to show for it. Why? Because they weren't stewarding their money properly when they kept on buying all those tickets. And so when they had all the money, they resulted back to the skills that they had developed, which were no skills at all. And Jesus is warning us here that you have a responsibility to be good stewards, to be faithful over what I have entrusted to you. See, there are many people that are missing out on the favor of God because they have not learned to be good stewards. And to be a good steward, you need to understand this, that everything belongs to God. Everything. My children belong to God. My finances belong to God. My health belongs to God. Let me just tell you something, that everything that you think that you own is better in the hands of God than in your hands. The Bible says in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Listen, it's impossible to steward well if you don't understand that everything belongs to God. In fact, the areas that we have the hardest time stewarding, that as a pastor I see breaking down in people's lives every single day, are areas that people erroneously believe they have ownership of. You want some examples? Family. Your children do not belong to you. They are God's. God has entrusted these children to you. And can I just say this to you parents out there? Your children don't need another friend. I see so many parents trying to be their children's friend. They need a mother and a father. They're going to have tons of friends over the course of their life. I'll never forget... As I was getting ready to leave the ministry, many of you know I started at Messenger International. I was there for 16 years. And as I was getting ready to launch out uh, and plant the Pines Church, I remember John sat, sat, sat me down and said, John Bevere, and he said, who was a spiritual father to me, who encouraged me, who corrected me, who was there through all of my major milestones at my wedding, my first child, our miscarriage, uh, our kids were, so, you know, just had invested so much and taught me how to be a, a godly man, a God-fearing man. And as I sat down, he said, you know, as you transition to this position of leadership, you know, I, I, I want you to kind of view me 
as a, as a friend. We're, we're, we're co-workers now. You know, you're no longer under my authority. And, and I said, John, with all due respect, as much as I appreciate that sentiment, I don't want to be your friend. And he kind of looked at me for a second. And I said, I have a lot of friends. I, I want you to stay in that position of spiritual father because I don't have a lot of fathers. And he looked at me, it would be my privilege to stay in that position. And he is still in that position as, as, as a mentor, as an overseer, as a spiritual father in my life. And I meant it with the utmost honor and the utmost respect. And so I say to you, parents, don't try to get down on the level of your children. You're trying to raise your children up to your level, your perspective of seeing the world. And that doesn't mean that you can't um, spend time with them and have fun, but I really believe you'd be doing them a disservice, okay, by being their friend. And quite frankly, God has not called you to be their friend. I'm going to be a little stern with you now. He has called you to be their, their parent, their mother and their father. And so you have a responsibility to teach them what's right and to teach them what's wrong. Speaking of family, marriage. How many people look at somebody else's marriage and say, you know, oh, look at their household. Everything seems to be in order. The grass is always greener on the other side. Well, maybe your grass isn't green because you're not watering it. You know, you should never stop, men, you should never stop pursuing your wife. And wives, you should never stop flirting with your husbands. Okay, I see men get dinged on this all the time. You should never stop pursuing. You should never stop romanticizing, taking your wife out on dates. Absolutely, 100% agree with that. But women, you should be like, like also doting over your men as well. So maybe your grass isn't green because you are not watering it. And sometimes somebody else's grass is green because it's artificial turf. We live in a social media world where everybody curates what they want you to see, but it may not actually be what is. And so marriage, we steward our marriage. We are to, men are to lay our lives down for our wives as Christ has laid his life down for the church. Finances. You know, I, I always think they're not ours. God has entrusted us with these finances, and specifically he's talking about finances in the parable of the talents. What are you doing with your finances? Is it all for you? Or are you using it to advance the kingdom? Remember in Malachi where God says, you've robbed me with tithes and offerings. He didn't just say tithes, which is a tenth, which some people would say, well, a tithe uh, doesn't translate into the New Testament. That's with the old covenant. But Abraham gave a tenth before the law. And Jesus even gave the, the Pharisees a pat on the back by essentially saying, you give a tenth of your wages, you're wise to do so. And then he goes on to rebuke them, but you neglect the weightier matters. And so the tithe belongs, but also God isn't just mentioning the tithe, he's actually mentioning the offering too. And so our hearts need to be pliable. And what are offerings? Offerings are when we see a need 
that is in our area, that is in our church, that is in our community. And we meet that need, not out of our tithe, but above and beyond. And God literally says, you know what? Go ahead and test me in this area and see that I don't fill up your barns, that you'll have more than enough. I, because God blesses us to be a blessing. If you have an open hand, he's going to continue to fill it. But if you close your hands, if you're a poor steward, then God can't work in and through that. <clears throat> I did a little research and I saw that the average car payment on a new car is $716. When I read that, I couldn't even believe it. $716. On a used car, $526. I can't even believe the $526. I know that inflation and things are going up in price, but a car is one of the worst investments that you can possibly make because as soon as you drive it off the lot, it depreciates. And now every single one of us need a vehicle, so I'm not saying that you should start biking to work. I'm just saying you need to exercise wisdom in being a good steward of looking at your finances and what you can actually afford. I have never had a $500 car payment in, in, my, in my life. And I learned in the first couple of cars that I got where I was over leveraged a little bit, I learned really quickly, I want to put myself in a position, even if it's not the most beautiful car, to get a vehicle that I could pay outright and I don't have a car payment. Because I notice, even when you have a car payment, you still got to fix things on your car at the garage. So it's like this extra above and beyond. But if I own my car, the things that come up at the garage, well, at least I can build up a little bit of a, a nest egg to be able to take care of those things. And in fact, if you're looking to the world system, I just read this, Social Security, the Social Security Trust Fund is calculated to be depleted by the year 2030. So you can't look at the world system and think that it's going to take care of you. Or I just need to pay $700 for a car because that's what everybody else is doing. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and what all these things, what things, everything that you're concerned about will be added unto you. God's going to take care of those things if you make kingdom business your priority. He's going to make sure that you don't lack. He's going to make sure that you have more than enough. So what, how are you stewarding the finances that God has entrusted to you? Not your finances, the finances that God has entrusted to you. Relationships. How are you stewarding your relationships? Some of us, some of you that are listening, some of you who are watching, need to cut off some of the relationships that are in your life. Some of you have been hanging out with the same riffraff that you've been hanging out with since your high school days, listening to Guns N' Roses, smoking the devil's lettuce, driving around and doing donuts in the supermarket parking lot. We need to, and, and then we wonder why we haven't advanced in our career, why we haven't advanced in our lives is because this failure to launch idea, show me your friends and I will show you your future. You have a responsibility to prune, to cut out the relationships that are damaging you. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. So, so that another man strengthens another man. But you know what else? 
you can also dull one another, right? That same stone that sharpens can dull. And so you have to make sure that you have the right people in your life. And some of you have been complaining about your circumstances, but you're running with the same people that you ran with in the 90s with your dangling cross earring necklace, and you wonder why things haven't changed. When Christians have approached you, invited you to coffee, invited you to small group, and you've said no. And sometimes we have to get a little uncomfortable so that we can be more comfortable in the future by saying yes to the small group, which may seem a little weird because you don't know any of them, and say no to going to the Guns N' Roses reunion tour at the local auditorium. Just picking on Guns N' Roses today, ma'am. Our careers. The Bible says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. You are not working for your boss. You are not working for your supervisor. You are not working for your manager. You are working for the Lord. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. And as a result, God is going to reward you beyond your paycheck. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So he makes it crystal clear. You're not working for your boss. You're working for the Lord. And, and you are serving the Lord in stewarding your entrustment well. See, most employees have this view. They'll work until they fulfill the required hours. Up, oh, five o'clock, got to go. Christians are working unto the Lord. And so we should stand out. I know I'm stepping on some toes today. We should stand out amongst the world as bright, shining lights, meaning that we work enthusiastically until the job is done. Do you think that's going to get your boss's attention? Do you think that's going to invoke some kind of favor on your life? Not just spiritually, but also a natural favor as people see, wow, this guy, this girl is really about making sure that we advance our directive here at whatever organization they're working for. See, here's the big idea. Relationships, finances, career, God will not entrust you with more if you're not stewarding what you have well. In other words, you can pray until you're blue in the face. God is not going to give you more if you're not taking care of and stewarding what he's already given you. And the parable that Jesus shares in Matthew 25 illustrates that. And don't even get me started on health. How are you stewarding your body? Are you just putting in a bunch of junk? And putting yourself in a position where you could die at 60 instead of 90? Because you're eating things you know are terrible for you? This is not my body. This body doesn't belong to me. I don't get the freedom to just do whatever I want. This is the Lord's temple. 
And so I have a responsibility to make sure that I take care of it and it lasts as long as it can. And yes, I pray to God for health and ultimately my life is in the palm of his hands. But I know that I can do things that denigrate and destroy my body and will run it out before the, my race is finished. I see people take better care of their vehicles. Oh, I'm not putting regular in that. I'm putting premium in their cars than they do. And then they go inside and they buy a Twinkie and a Diet Coke. I'm just saying, man, you can buy another car. You can't buy another one of these. So when you hear the word steward, think, are you being faithful with what God has given you? Are you faithful with your body? Are you faithful with your family? Are you faithful with your career? Are you faithful with your finances? Are you keeping these things for yourself? See, 1 Corinthians 4.1 says this, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards. If we are servants of Christ, then that means we are stewards of what God has entrusted to us. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, this is out of the New King Jimmy. As each one has received a gift, every single one of you, every single one of you has received a gift. God has given you gifts. And with these gifts, minister it to one another. So our gift is meant to serve those that are around us as good stewards of the manifold grace. What is God's grace? Grace takes you beyond your natural ability, beyond your experience, your wisdom, your intellect. It takes you beyond. And to access God's grace, we must, we must operate in faith. So let's go back to Matthew 25, right? Okay, servant, the first servant. Remember, Jesus gave him five talents. He made five more. Okay, so he multiplied his gift. Servant number two had two. He made two more, ended up with four, right? Servant number three had one and gave the one back. And look at the master's reply. And the master is representative of Jesus. And the servants are representative of us. So some of you are sitting on five talents right now. What are you doing with those? How are you stewarding those? Some of you have been given two. Some of you have been given one. And you may say, well, why did that guy get five and I only got two? Well, let's look at Jesus. Let's look at the master's response. Remember the one that had five and made five more? The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. So not only did the servant that had five get five more, the master gave him even more and entrusted him with more. But look at the servant that had two. What did the master say to him or her? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Word for word, verbatim. So Jesus doesn't look at us and say, well, you have five talents and you have two talents, so you're better and you're better. He looks at it exactly the same. He's, he's just looking at it. What are you going to do with what I've given you? There's no special attention on you because you have five and you because you have two. 
if you are good stewards with what he has given you, he will entrust you with more. And the one that had five that went to 10, and now the master is giving him more, maybe at 15. And guess what? This isn't a one-time gig, okay? Because two years later, the one that had five, that went to five, that the master gave five more, might be at 55. So this is as our capacity enlarges, God entrusts us with more. If we're stewarding that entrustment more, he's going to continue to enlarge it. We see this in the natural world, and it's true of the spiritual. God will entrust you with more if you're taking care of what he's already entrusted to you. But the one, servant number three, he had one, and he did nothing with it. And can I be honest? Some of us are sitting on a gift, are sitting on a talent, and we've done absolutely nothing to develop it, to use it in advancing the kingdom. And the master says, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, I'm from the Northeast. When somebody says that's wicked, that means it's pretty awesome. Okay, but that's not the context in which the master is using it here. He said, you wicked and lazy servant, take the talent from him. Take it from the one and give it to the one who has 10. So the master is saying, you can't even, I can't even trust you with this one. Give it to the person that's going to make more of that one. It's a dangerous place to be. And, I, I, and my prayer is that none of us ever hear God say that to us. So we have a responsibility to steward what he's given us. And the First way to step into stewardship is to recognize that you don't own it. It does not belong to you. I'll close with this. 1 Corinthians 4.2. Moreover, it is required in stewards. Okay, so we got to pay attention. We all just said every single one of us are stewards because nothing belongs to us. Okay, and now we're a son and daughter of God. God is our king. He is our father. He has entrusted us, right, as stewards. And so moreover, it is required of stewards, so I need to pay attention to this next statement, that one be found faithful. And how do we know if we're faithful over what God has entrusted to us? How do we know? One question. WTF. Now, I know where many of you just went in your mind, and I know that that probably popped up on the screen, and some of you may be reaching for your dial to turn this off right now. But before you go to the popular usage of that acronym, let me just tell you what I'm sharing. WTF, where is the fruit? Where's the fruit? Faithfulness will always result in fruit. You'll begin to see, if you are a good steward, you'll start to see fruit manifest in your life. In other words, you'll start to see the multiplication. As you take those five and you recognize that they belong to the Lord and you begin to cultivate them and steward them and how can I utilize these in the kingdom and how can I utilize these for my brothers and sisters, you'll begin to see fruit begin to manifest. And as that fruit manifests, it's an indicator that you have been faithful. And so good stewards have fruit.
And every single one of us as a believer should be producing good fruit with all that God has entrusted to us. And so this idea of stewardship, we're not stopping here because this is so rich and it's all throughout scripture. We're going to be continuing on next week by diving into this concept and this idea of stewardship and narrowing in even more. I touched on health. I touched on relationship. I touched on finances. I touched on the local church, but we're going to be taking a deeper look into those things so that we, as Paul says, can examine our lives and ask WTF, where's the fruit? and faithfulness in our life if we are indeed stewards of God's entrustment. I want to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every single person that's listening, for that's watching. I just pray that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would begin to stir inside of their heart. And as I shared scripture, that the seed of your word would begin to take root growing and manifesting fruit in their lives and that you would reveal to them the gifts that you've given them, the entrustment that you've given them, and you would show them how to be faithful, fruitful stewards over that entrustment. God, we give you all the glory because you are so worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.